Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm Dr. David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine, chiropractor, and functional nutrition practitioner, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself, and on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. I'm excited about today's podcast, but before we jump in, I wanted to remind you to download this month's special gift at drjockersgift.com. From keto meal plans, smoothie recipes, to fasting quick start guides, we have a new complimentary gift every single month. To get your gift, simply visit drjockersgift.com. That's D-R-J-O-C-K-E-R-S-G-I-F-T.com. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. This podcast is sponsored by Perfect Keto. Guys, if you are interested in a great-tasting, keto-friendly bar with ingredients you can actually trust, you gotta try these perfect keto bars. The ingredients are things like almond butter, cacao butter, collagen protein, organic cocoa or cacao, uh, coconut oil, and it uses sunflower lecithin, which is actually really good for helping bile flow, and it's flavored with stevia. It tastes amazing. So gluten-free, dairy-free, no added sugars, preservatives, or artificial ingredients. They've got some amazing flavors. I really love the almond butter brownie. That is great. The chocolate chip cookie dough is fantastic. They also have a great salted caramel and a lemon poppy seed. These keto bars are a pre-made keto dessert without the guilt. I mean, think about it like an energy bar that tastes like a treat and supports your soft tissue recovery because of the collagen peptides that are in there. They also support, those peptides also support your skin, your hair, your nails, and your gut health. So remember, all natural ingredients, balanced keto macros, only three grams of net carbs, no sugar alcohols that can cause bloating and cramping, no artificial sweeteners, no dairy, no corn fiber. A lot of people have issues with corn fiber spiking their blood sugar, even though it's a fiber. No high carbohydrate binders like dates, honey, or chicory root fiber that a lot of other companies use that can also detrimentally impact your blood sugar. So a lot of things are out there marketed as keto but if you actually test your blood sugar, you'll have issues. And, I, and the developers of this, Perfect Keto, they actually rigorously tested this and went through over 14 different iterations to make sure this product will not spike your blood sugar. So if you want to try these out, which I would highly recommend, go to www.perfectketo.com forward slash drjockers, Dr. Jockers. So again, that's www.perfectketo.com forward slash Dr. Jockers. Use the coupon code Dr. Jockers, D-R-J-O-C-K-E-R-S, to save 15% off of these today. I know you'll love these. You should get more than one box because you are going to love these. Um, you're just going to really, really enjoy them. Great for snacks, great for uh, consuming them after meals, uh, for travel, all different types of things. So check them out today. Well, hey guys, welcome back to the Dr. Jockers Functional Nutrition Podcast. 
I'm excited about today's interview. We've got Dr. Anthony Gustin. And if you guys haven't heard of Perfect Keto, it is a fast growing brand. They've got some phenomenal products. In fact, if you've listened to my podcast for any time, you've heard of them because I talk all about the bars and the cookies, which are amazing. So we're going to go into that. But uh, Dr. Anthony Gustin has a similar background as me. He was trained as a chiropractor, um, had a sports rehab uh, clinic or multiple clinics uh, with sports that specialized in sports rehab. He had that in California. He also is trained in functional medicine. He's run labs on hundreds of different clients over the years, and he pivoted and started a supplement company called Equip Foods and also a great food company in the keto space called Perfect Keto. And he also is the host of the Natural State podcast and also wrote a great book called the Keto called Keto Answers. Um, and we'll talk all about that in today's interview. So Dr. Gustin, uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Doc. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk about your story, how you got into functional nutrition, functional medicine, yeah. Um, so I, things that's, that I wanted to get into Cairo in the first place was that I was just really sick when I was younger. I was really overweight. I grew up in the Midwest in Minnesota and like anybody else who's there even right now or 20 years ago can attest to people don't eat real food. They don't move a lot. Um, it's a really weird culture. And my family doesn't like relate to anything active. We're just eating hot dish, weird things, lots of packaged food and got really overweight. That made me really, like, really unathletic, made my joints hurt. Uh, sort of turned things around, I think more for vanity reasons than anything when I was younger, just wanted to not be made fun of, but was, you had really bad acne, had gut problems, all this stuff, and would see all these different doctors and nobody would be able to help me. And it was really, really frustrating. I got this weird laser treatment from my face, hurt, it was really expensive, um, did all these different medications, nothing really worked. Um, so I started basically figuring out how can I become healthier as a person? and started reading and digging into chemistry and physiology textbooks when I was in high school and started figuring a lot of this stuff myself. Um, then my, I was still having some like lingering joint pain, knee pain, and I was trying to get, be more athletic. And I saw a sports med Cairo in central Minnesota and realized like, oh wow, like you can help people in a preventative way. I already, I always had like, we had a bunch of family friends who were physicians and orthopedic surgeons and sort of like, I was thinking about going down that route, but I was advised like, you know, after someone's broken, you need to put them back together and basically have no intervention. And so I was much more of a fan of the route going down and working with athletes and sort of helping people with physical pain. Uh, so sort of like fast tracked, I knew that's what I wanted to do. Fast tracked through undergrad. And then in um, Cairo school, I went to Western States and they offered a, a dual degree program. So I got my master's and doctorate at the same time, master's in sports rehab, doctorate in chiropractic, obviously. Um, and then graduated on a Friday and on Monday, um, opened up my clinics in San Francisco. And so that was good. It's just been like this pace my entire life, um, which we can get into. I go, I wouldn't recommend a lot of other people to do that. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it was amazing. And we scaled the clinic from one to six locations in three years. And I just found out that healing people and fixing people from physical pain in their body is actually pretty easy. There's only so many things that can go wrong with physical injury. Um, so I started getting into more functional medicine and helping people with gut issues, diabetes, obesity, metabolic dysfunction, et cetera, et cetera, which was way more difficult and I think way more nuanced. But I sort of saw a trend with both of these things that, you know, if nutrition, which I, I you know, since high school, I figured out how important it was for myself 
if that wasn't dialed in, whether it was a, like an NFL player, a wide, like all pro wide receiver, or if it was sort of an obese grandmother, it doesn't really matter. You have to sort of have these building blocks. And since then, I've sort of like expanded my way of thinking about health, sort of started in nutrition first, then sort of added in like, okay, that's a, a big one, a big pillar. Movement's really important. Stress, man- stress management is really important. Community, meaning, purpose, et cetera. Sleep, all these things sort of play a vital role. If you ignore all of these things, you're never going to have somebody to be healthy. So I started writing about a lot of stuff and had a website that took off. And I realized like, what the internet was and how you could reach people while you're sleeping is, is, is crazy. I mean, I think that living in San Francisco, there's everybody around me, but I didn't really understand the power of just putting yourself out there online until I was in my clinics. And so after that, I basically tried to use products as a way to convince people that what they put in their body mattered. And so that's where Equip came from originally. So I still make clinics and I was seeing a lot of my high-end athletes taking these just ridiculous pre-workout supplements. And they had all these crazy fillers, additives. They were you know, way too much caffeine. They were feeling all jittery afterwards, have gut problems from them. And so we developed a, one that was effective dosing as well as no weird stuff in it. And so I started with that product, writing a lot of content with it. And then just expanded from there, making a, you know, grass-fed beef protein, sweet potato powder, greens powder, things like that. Trying to educate people that, hey, imagine what you put in your body. You should be using real food ingredients, be getting as close to the source as possible, but also recognizing that. And this is a big thing too, like around both of the companies, people think that I'm just some guy trying to shuck processed foods, <laughs> even though I say you should eat real foods. Like fundamentally, I believe that everybody should be eating as much local, seasonal food that can possibly get food that spoils food that you can put on your counter and that you can't eat it in a couple of weeks. But there was a bridge from where I was as a, you know, fat, sick 15 year old in Minnesota to where I am now hunting most of my own food as far as animal products and going to farmer's markets, things like that here in Texas, there's a long, long bridge to get from point A to point Z there. I think it's a never ending journey, but what people don't realize is that people need to start swapping stuff out and very few people have the capacity. You know, I mean, there's so much stuff going on in their lives, but otherwise there's so many decisions to make in a day where going from eating a processed standard American diet to just eating local seasonal foods is really, really challenging. And so creating a bridge, not only of content education, but also a products that sort of people can start swapping things out and the supplements, you know, use supplementally, not as replacements. And then the food products is sort of like in a pinch. I use them as well. If I'm traveling, things like that, I just need a quick snack. Um, but yeah, I mean, of course, I think people should be eating real food. So that was launched and it was starting to scale that. Um, then it was taking off. It grew bigger than my clinic. And I realized that sort of I was able to help people while I was sleeping, which was really rewarding. And blog was getting traffic. All this stuff was sort of taking off. And I realized... You know, I did some math. I, I did a monthly retreat all the time and sort of I still do like reassess where I'm at in my life, where am I going, what's important, what do I want to work on, is this working, is this not working? And did some sort of back of the napkin math. I'm like, okay, if I stay in my clinic, even if I scale to 50 locations, I can only have like a couple of tens of thousands of people in my lifetime as a clinician, even if I had this like giant clinic practice. And then realize like, oh, if I just put in a little more effort here, I could eclipse that in a year. Like I could have maybe not as deep of an interaction as a clinician as with a patient, but we could have way more interactions with people. And I mean, that turned out to be true. I mean, we've had over a hundred million page views on Perfect Keto, for example, which is all educational content mm-hmm. for a diet. 
uh, which there's no way I would be able to touch that many people if I was stayed in my practice. Um, so as I left and started working on equip more, um, I always wanted to do something in a ketogenic space and there just wasn't the right products available, the right things. And sort of before it got popular with, you know, Joe Rogan and Tim Ferriss and some of these big names and like the sort of fringe health stuff started putting out things in keto. We actually developed a product. It was the second ever exogenous ketone. The first one was, in my opinion, really bad tasting. It was extremely expensive, so it wasn't really accessible for a lot of people. It was like $95 for 10 servings or 15 servings. And the branding and everything was just terrible. So people, I don't know, I think that when you see it, it looked like a scam to me. Yeah, like I was yeah. really skeptical to use it for the first time. And there was also a big white space around content. I would Google stuff and set, like, try to send my patients articles. Sometimes I would write them myself. Sometimes I would try to find them online. And this time 2016, there was no information on the internet like that was in a consolidated source about keto. I mean, like Peter Tia had some, some blogs that you, you sort of have to have a doctorate degree to understand what he's saying. <laughs> and you know, some other people, like I think Ben Greenfield is putting on some stuff like really early on, but it, there wasn't a lot of like, okay, you can go to here for the education piece. And what I saw in my clinic, which I was using ketogenic diet for a couple of years already, in either high performers or people who had metabolic dysfunction, things like that, that if you didn't have a compliance of knowing what foods to switch out and making it easy that way, but also the education and sort of a trusted source, nobody stuck to it. And like the people that I handheld the entire time were the ones that did really, really well. Mm -hmm. So I sort of thought like, okay, how can I mimic that with our content system and how can we create, basically use the product sales to hire a, an amazing research and content team to be able to put out all these resources for people. Yeah. So that way there's a spot to go to. I mean, obviously now things looking back are very different and there's a lot of resources online. There's a lot of really good ones. Uh, but that gap sort of existed in the marketplace before. Um, and yeah, it was, it was, um, it was a crazy ride since then. It was, we launched that in 2016. Um, and just been sort of working on that day to day since then. And when did you graduate from college? When did you graduate from uh, Western States? It was in 2012. Yeah. So you have an incredible work ethic and you're a big thinker. That's for sure. Um, yeah, I graduated. Obsessed yeah. and compulsion than anything. Yeah. I graduated in uh, the end of 2008. Now, a similar story. I opened my clinic, and this was right when the uh, economy had crashed. So I couldn't get a business loan. So I opened it on credit cards. Uh, lived in my clinic actually for two years. I was single and uh, showered across the street at a 24 hour gym, right? Got my, my clinic successful, got out of debt, right? And then, um, yeah, then I got online pretty early. I was writing for other websites and then created my website and it kind of took off. And, you know, I started writing articles on ketogenic diet and doing interviews around 2014, 2015 as well, early on. So, uh, so and I saw you guys, I saw Perfect Keto just kind of rise, putting out really great content. So I've always appreciated what you guys have done. And um, let's talk a little bit about keto. And I mean, most of my listeners have heard of it. They kind of know what it is. But let's talk about it from a functional nutrition, functional medicine perspective. I know you look at it as a tool. So do I. It's not just you know a diet everybody needs to be on all the time. But instead, it's a tool. And what are the benefits that somebody can get from being in ketosis? Yeah, I mean, I think it really depends what the goal is to the person. And like you said, it's just a tool. And I think tools should be used very specifically and intentionally and not over applied for a long period of time. So I think a lot of people like they maybe see, I mean, the most common thing right now is with all health stuff is generally fat loss and weight loss. And so it's like a very, very good tool for that. I mean, we talk about why this is and how it can and cannot be effective. Um, but I think that 
mostly there's so many people just overeat processed food. I mean, I did the same thing when I was younger, got really overweight, stopped doing that and became not overweight. And so when you just terrorize your metabolic system with not only refined carbohydrates, but refined seed oils as well, the vegetable oils, as other people would call them. Um, I don't like to give them that amount of credit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you, you do these two things in conjunction, you basically create this cascade of inflammation that destroys your entire metabolism. And what happens is you go so far one way that sometimes you need some really aggressive tools. And I think ketosis can be so, sort of aggressive sometimes for people. I mean, not all cultures have done it in the past. And there's like sort of a lot of pushback publicly, publicly about people saying like, oh, this is unsustainable. This is whatever. It's, it really just depends on the person and what they need. So for example, if I go outside and I trip and fall and sprain my ankle, okay, I can, I can sort of get back to normal within 8, 10, 12 weeks maybe a little bit sooner, maybe a little bit longer, depending on my status. If I go out and a bus runs over my ankle, I may never walk the same again. I may need to sort of modify my movement indefinitely to cope for that injury. And the same thing I think about people's insides as well, is that sometimes the damage is so extreme that you need to have sort of a, an artificial or sort of a counterexample of how you address that. And it may be indefinite. And that's sort of how I think about applying the tools. But I mean, we've seen now, I mean, I'm sure you guys have covered on the podcast and through tons of articles, all the research about all the different ways that a ketogenic diet can help beyond just fat loss. I mean, Verda is doing really great work in showing how you can take somebody with diabetes, basically without medication, take them off and reverse the course of the disease. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of research on traumatic brain injury. Like I have sort of a this ideal or dream that, someday there's going to be on the sidelines of sports, like especially like hockey, football, some of these high collision sports, instead of Gatorade, which is sugar, which is like, yes, it's totally fine for uh, performance for people who are doing really high explosive stuff, but putting ketones into that drink, even if it was an in addition to the Gatorade, mm -hmm. would be so beneficial at preventing all of the problems that we see with concussions and brain injury in sports, let alone all of, you know car accidents. There's tons of other ways this could be applied. Um, neurodegenerative disease is another big one where you know, I, can't even, I can't even estimate how many people have sent us messages saying like, hey, we used your products, MCT oil, ketone specifically. And it's like, we got a couple of years back of you know, my dad or my grandpa or stuff like that. I mean, that's been the most ridiculous thing. It's like people's brains being able to access again. So there's a lot of different things that we can do. And I think we're finding out sort of by the week how many different areas of health this can do. And again, I don't think it's a magic, I don't think it's a magic pill. I think that it's sort of a reversal of just, I mean, you have to cut out one of the major things with what's ruining people's health now, which is refined carbohydrates and sugars. What I think is unfortunate about a keto, it's why I sort of, in, in Keto Answers, um, I talk a lot about keto plus, sort of about how I call it, which is a real food keto based nutrition. Which like, if you still eat industrial processed seed oils, and have a high amount of linoleic acid and arachidonic acid in your diet, you can have still a lot of the same metabolic problems and not see a lot of the benefit. So people, they say, you know, I lost some weight, feeling okay, but then hit this major plat plateau, still feeling inflammation, all these problems are still cropping up. It's generally because they're not avoiding vegetable oil still. Yeah. Happens, what's, what's great is that a lot of times people, you know, there's sort of a spectrum of vegetable oils and like, I think nobody should be eating any of them, but if you look at sort of cold, cold oils is how I, Think about them like just out of the bottle. They're already oxidized and can wreak havoc in your body. 
all the way to the other end of the spectrum is breading and coating something like a, like a fried chicken or like a KFC or something like that. And so you're heating up this oil hundreds of times. It can cre- increase the oxidation rate dramatically and create far more trans fats. And then you're also getting on top of that, the weird breading and whatever they put in that stuff. And so people are generally, when they're going keto, they're removing a lot of fried foods. And so I think that you're getting a lot of benefit from there. But they, a lot of times, you know, this whole dirty keto sort of thing that people say, you know, if it fits you macros, doesn't matter. I mean, I think it's totally, totally bogus. Mm. And that when people generally have problems, sticking points, removing that vegetable oil is a huge, huge benefit to, to get where they want to go. So sort of a long-winded answer of... No, I'm, I'm in total agreement on that. And, uh, you know, that's really why I like to be in a state of ketosis. I'm not always in ketosis, but I do it for brain, for brain and energy. I just feel so mentally clear. I feel so energetic. I don't need a nap. I just feel really, really energized all day long. I sleep better and deeper. So that's why I do it. And uh, like you were talking about, just even using, I know there was a 2008 study where they tested these individuals with cognitive impairment, Alzheimer's, <clears throat> in a nursing home. And they did a, a test and they got their baseline score and then they gave them MCT oil for, I believe it was 90 days. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, that yeah. study. That's all they added was a little bit of MCT oil in their food. They were still eating, you know, nursing home food, which is not healthy. <clears throat> they weren't really fully in a state of nutritional ketosis, but the MCTs helped stimulate. They turn into ketones quickly. So they had the presence of some ketones in their bloodstream. Then they retested them with this cognitive scoring and they were improved. The people that took this were improved compared to the placebo. So that's yeah, where even just taking a simple grams. product like what you guys make. Yeah, I think it was only 30 grams, which is yeah. Yeah. Nothing, like two tablespoons, right. basically. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's why like a lot of these things too, like you can get some of the benefits without switching entirely on it. And like you said, you do it most of the time. I do it, I don't know, I, whenever I want sort of. And yeah. it's like when, I, when I'm working out more and I'm more active, I eat a little bit more carbohydrates and sort of real food form. So I eat you know, sweet potatoes, berries, things like that. When I'm not, like today's a really long work day and have a lot of stuff going, a lot of calls and meetings especially, I ate a bunch of cacao butter in the morning and we can talk about like why I choose cacao butter, uh, but I haven't eaten since then. It's 2.30 p.m. here now, and I feel totally fine, and like I'm not hungry. And I think that, like, that's, like I use it as a targeted thing for my brain now as well. Yeah, as well yeah as, it's, it's performance fuel. Totally, and like disease prevention for me as well. I got a lot of cancer in my family, and really trying to mitigate away from that using this. Absolutely, so, so, so why cacao butter? Cacao butter has, so I'm starting to really, really geek out on fatty acids in, in general and fatty acid metabolism. And I mean, I truly just think like the majority of our health problems are really down to overconsumption of linoleic acid. Uh, but on the flip side, it seems to show that like steric acid is um, basically the complete reverse of linoleic acid. Now, and- linoleic acid is a omega-6, uh, basically it's got two double bonds and it's 18 carbon chain, two double bonds. It's really common in your kind of your, your nuts and seeds, uh, grains, really common in that. Of course, corn oils, soybean oils, when we see all that kind of stuff. Just want to preface this for the listener. You need, you need a very, very, very small amount of it, like 0.3 to 1% of, of intake, but it is naturally occurring in almost all foods anyway, which is totally fine. So for instance, in animal products, it's at, you know, zero to 3% in ruminants. But in pig and chicken products, for example, who, who are fed 
so soybeans and corn and all this different stuff. They're monogastric animals just like us that can't turn fat fats into saturated fatty acids in their stomach like cows do. Mm. And so that goes into their fatty tissue. And then now modern pigs and chickens are at like 25 to 30% linoleic acid, which is insane. I mean, they should be like two. But steric acid is C18 like with completely saturated carbon bonds. It's a saturated fat. And it's really high in suet and with a kidney fat and ruminants. Is, it's, like, it's just harder to get that, but in cacao butter as well, it's like 35, 40% of cacao butter. Mm. So I seem to have a insane appetite suppressing sort of signaling thing going on with when I eat steric acid. So I'll have like 15 to 20 grams of cacao butter, which and I usually have like a little bit of MCT. Mm-hmm. So I had MCT and collagen perform my workout at, at noon, but other than that, I haven't consumed anything else. And that amount of steric acid in the cacao butter seems to just like completely wipe out any sort of cravings or hunger that I have until later in the day. I mean, I don't recommend that people just do this and fast all the time, but it's just sort of an interesting way that I can Ha- like otherwise if if not i can fast for a couple of days but it's still a little distracting to me mm-hmm. and i won't always be like as mentally sharp or i'll be thinking about food a little bit here and there and have to sort of push it out of my brain but having a little bit of steric acid in the form of c- cacao butter um, i've gotten it sort of as a, as a raw thing too and it's almost impossible to use so i just do the cacao butter uh, yeah i just feel great doing it how about like a beef tallow or a grass-fed butter? Are they rich in uh, skin? Yeah, it's, well? it's like 5 to 10% depending on the source. So suet's like 30%. Cacao butter is like 30, 35%. Uh, coconut oil is a little higher as well. I think like between 10 to 15. I, I don't know, I have to check. But yeah, like other animal fats aren't, aren't as high. And I think it has to do with sort of like the integrity needed in the fat. And so, for example, if you're like, if it's a, it's a more visceral fat or around muscles, it needs to be more fluid where in the fat needs to move around a little bit more. Yeah. Whereas when it's like around the kidney and in suet, it needs, it's basically protecting that organ from okay, insulating. Yeah. yeah. And so it needs to be a little bit harder. And so that's mm-hmm. why, I mean, the sort of evolution has made it so that the, this sort of more stable C18 fat is in that, is in that uh, fat. Yeah. It's really interesting. I just want to interrupt this podcast to tell you about the perfect keto bars. These are great tasting keto friendly bars with ingredients you can actually trust. I mean, things like almond butter, cacao butter, collagen protein, which is amazing for your skin, your hair, your nails, for your gut lining, your joints. And they've got incredible flavors, almond butter brownie, salted caramel, lemon poppy seed, chocolate chip cookie dough, which I absolutely love, all gluten-free, dairy-free, no added sugars, preservatives, no sugar alcohols, no artificial ingredients. You're gonna love these. They only have three grams of net carbs, 19 grams of healthy fats from almonds, cacao butter, and coconut oil. So you're gonna love these. Check them out at perfectketo.com forward slash drjockers, Dr. Jockers. And use the coupon code Dr. Jockers, all one word, D-R-J-O-C-K-E-R-S to save 15% off today. Again, that's www.perfectketo.com forward slash drjockers. Use the coupon code drjockers for 15% off today. If you're going to try one flavor, I would get the chocolate chip cookie dough. But if um, 
if you're if you're wise, you'll get more than one. So try all four of them. You'll see which one you like the best. I really love the almond butter brownie chocolate chip cookie dough. You guys will love these. It's like a healthy keto uh, dessert after a meal, or if you're traveling, they come in really really handy. So check them out today. And let's talk about like, what do you think the biggest mistakes? I mean, you mentioned vegetable oils. What are the biggest mistakes people are making when they try to go low carb keto? Um, I think it's not ramping up their electrolytes enough. It's a, it's a huge one. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's what I'm drinking right now is a, is a massive amount of electrolytes. And I think that you begin to understand after you are depleted for a while and then added a bunch in, you go, oh, this is how I should be feeling. I think a lot of the keto flu symptoms are actually due to, to low electrolytes just because your insulin falls for the first time in 30 years and your body excretes all these electrolytes. And so you, you just need to eat way more than you think. Um, and that's, so that's a big one. And the big one is I think like just having it be this sort of, and I know we, we have recipes as well that people are going to make them, but doing this dirty keto is just a, it's a big mistake. And like, if you want to create a bridge and like people want to go to eating real food, that's great. But just eating like ridiculously processed stuff because it has low carb does not mean it's healthy. And this yeah. is sort of like the thing like, Oh, it's gluten, gluten free, whatever. Like, super processed crackers or cookies or whatever. So it must be healthy and good for me. You know, I see a lot of that same stuff popping up now after a couple of years after this big keto explosion because I think people sort of want to rationalize having these things that they're used to eating. Um, and I understand like everybody can't afford stuff that's local and seasonal doesn't have access to it. But there is obviously some, some abusing of just trying to eat as many ridiculous low carb things as possible. And I think that's just a huge mistake long term. Yeah, dirty keto example of that would be like, you go to Wendy's or McDonald's or something like that, and you get um, you get a hamburger without the the bun. You have bacon on it, and then you've got the side salad with like a whole bunch of ranch dressing on there. Right. So, so you have soybean oil, low fat, low low carb, high fat, but it's just full of toxins. Yeah, exactly. And like the the biggest thing again, I just keep going back to like the the linoleic acid and the in the polyunsaturated fatty acids is those things get stored in your, like into your cell membranes. And this is why like, I think that they're worse than sugar. Sugar, you metabolize it and it's gone. And yes, it can do some, some damaging things over the course of many, many years. But when you have, you eat something, it literally becomes a part of you for like two to three years. You are living with that meal for two to three years, whether you like it or not. And you can test this. Like you, you can test how much of your fat is made of linoleic acid and arachidonic acid. And for a lot of people, it's way too high. It's far too high. Yeah, and so when it's linoleic acid, it's promoting a lot of these uh, inflammatory gene pathways in the system. And when you don't have enough omega-3s in the cell, you also get really, really hard, rigid cells. But if you have too much polyunsaturateds, you actually get really, you get very fluid cells that are too weak and they're more susceptible to viral infections. So you got to have that right ratio of the fluid fats like omega-3s and your omega-6s and then the stable fats, like your saturated fats, like you were talking about. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it operates as a saline molecule. Like then you, when you start losing fat and you're burning that fat, a lot of people feel a spike of inflammation and really yeah. awful. And it's because basically you're liberating these fats that are really unstable and they're becoming oxidized in your body and creating this inflammatory cascade. Yeah, for sure. And so let's talk about the keto answers book. Where, how did that come about? Uh, so we had a podcast of the same name 
and just had on, uh, you know, tons of experts. And I think I don't know, we did like 70 plus episodes, 80 episodes, something like that. And it was compiling. I mean, no matter how much information we put out via content on our website and a podcast, I was still getting questions all the time asking me all these things. And so I'd already written a draft around a keto book and basically spun it into and cut it up into, so you can still read it front to back, but structure it in a way where you can go to index and all the questions that you would ever have about a ketogenic diet are structured so that way you can just flip to a page. If you want to know, you know, is keto okay for a breastfeeding woman or whatever, you can go to that page and read sort of what I've researched about it with like all of the science. Um, and so it was just sort of like my way to direct people to something else other than like having to answer questions one by one by one, which I still get a bunch of, but now I can at least direct them to, to the book. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was like after the content and the podcast and the book, it's like, I just, I really don't think there's that much more to be covered about keto anymore. And I think that it's great that some, like people are still finding out about it. And a lot of people are trying it out for the first time, but it's like, I think that the information is sort of out there at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And I can, uh, I can, I can just try to understand in my head when you name a, a podcast, Keto Answers Podcast, how many questions you probably got. So yeah, enough to write a book about. Absolutely. And now you've shifted it to the natural state. And what inspired that? Yeah, I mean, sort of like how I was talking about before regarding how I sort of view health holistically. And I think that the natural state of any organism is health and being healthy. And you go outside and you can observe this. Unless you're at a zoo, every other thing that is living is sort of in its natural state. I mean, I guess like pigeons and rats and stuff like that in New York, not. But like you go out to nature and you look around, you see things that are abundantly healthy. Like, like no organism has to try to be healthy. This is something that I think people just, they're not connected to nature. and They don't understand that being unhealthy is completely abnormal. Yeah. And that if you're just in a natural environment, if you're a squirrel running around in trees, like if I were to go outside and look around and see a squirrel that like was coughing and was like three times the size as it should be uh, versus another squirrel, I could say, what the hell just happened to this? Like, what is going on? Like something's wrong right now. And like nobody asks these questions anymore because we've normalized being sick. And I think that if we were also, like if, you, if a baby was born, thrown it into the woods, had to gather and hunt its own food, there would be effortless health. And we see this in indigenous populations. There is no need to, like, obviously like trauma and things like that. Yes, we want Western medicine for those things. If I get hit by that same bus I was talking about earlier, like I want to be put back together for sure. But when you're looking at chronic disease, like health, energy, things like this, mental health especially, these things are absent in our environment now because our environment is so artificial. And so looking at sort of like unpacking, like, why is this the case? Like, how have we gotten so far away from a normal environment? And how do we sort of like still live in a 21st century, you know, culture and society and like not be the guy who has to like go grow a ponytail and go live out in the woods by himself? But like, how do we still live in this world while getting back some of these things about our natural state? So that way health can be effortless. And I don't have to make all these decisions all the time around what I need to do, what I need to eat, blah, 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 blah. Like it's just, it's overwhelming. There's too many decisions to make to have, like to, it's, it, there's no one can survive in that. 
Like right now, like if I were to like make a list of all the things that if you were just think about things you have to do, it's paralyzing. But if you set up your environment at your home, your life, your lifestyle, things change dramatically and become way easier. And so it's sort of like my interest in that and exploring that. And again, like I covered keto incessantly. Keto is just one tool in nutrition mm. and nutrition is just one of the things in like that should be in that natural state environment that I'm talking about. And so, you know, I think about this up all the time. So to have a podcast just limited to one tool and one in one section of like how I view health just to me seems like really limiting. Yeah, totally. I, I totally get you on that. And uh, guys, you definitely should check out his podcast, natural state podcast, really good stuff that he goes over on that. Let's talk about the perfect keto bars. You know, I know there's a lot. I mean, if you walk into any sort of store, Whole Foods or any sort of store now, there are, I mean, like a hundred different types of bars. Um, all of them, you know, are, have some sort of marketing angle. So what inspired you to create a new bar, particularly a, a keto bar? Yeah, so after we did a lot of supplements with Perfect Keto to help people with the ketogenic diet, things like the MCT oil, um, ketones, things like that, I sort of like wanted to use it as a way to think about like what are the things that people are still eating that are ruining their health mostly and with, with, with frequency and volume. And it seemed to me, and like don't have any good options or alternatives right now. So if somebody goes to the grocery store, what can they not buy but they're buying a lot of that is just destroying their health? And for me, it was bars, like nutrition bars. And like, this is like a lot of surveying, asking people that were trying to do, like they wanted convenience, they wanted to have something in between meals um, on the go. So they would grab like a kind bar or something like that. Or like even some of the other ones, like I think we tested a bunch of bars, like as we were seeing, like one that claimed low carb, like Bulletproof and some of these other bars like that. Yeah, they're using these fibers in there that are fiber syrups that are basically just like sugar syrups. And I put a, a video of, of, out about this, that every single bar that I tried spiked my blood sugar after I ate it. I was using a CGM, a continuous blood glucose monitor, to, you know, from 80 to 180 for two, three, four hours from eating one bar, like a 45 gram bar. Wow. And so completely destructive for, for people who are trying to reverse metabolic dysfunction, not be diabetic, not be obese, not have neurological problems or cancer, et cetera. Like this is a huge problem. Like people don't understand the, like, and this is why I think that, I mean, their companies now is doing a really good job at this levels is one of them that is sort of popularizing CGM and getting it to people without prescription. So they can start getting this feedback loop of when I eat this food, this is happening inside my body. I don't think blood sugar spikes are necessarily all that bad for people who are generally have a healthy baseline. But if you're trying to fix a lot of these problems, you do not want to have your blood sugar be going all over the place all the time. And so there was literally not one bar that we tried from unhealthy to healthy and all the way in between dozens of them that didn't spike your blood sugar. Um, so we tried to make one and it was a pain to do so. Like it, it took us 18 iterations over the course of, I think almost two years to, and we had to end up developing a like a special tapioca fiber um, to to not basically act like a sugar in your body and, and be a fiber, a fiber that can hold something together. I mean, there's so much stuff about food science that I've learned now that people demand. You know, there's industry standard about how things look, taste, and perform. So you sort of need to match that. 
And for a bar, if you need to get a bunch of ingredients and basically glue them together. And most people use like a rice syrup or agave or honey or whatever. But for people trying to do a ketogenic diet or try to fix some of these issues that we're talking about is really not a good solution. Uh, so it was just about making a clean label product that people can have and it's not going to be subtractive to their health. So it was, yeah, I mean, as with all the stuff that we've made, we've sort of had to like go to all these food scientists and manufacturers and like we try to do stuff ourselves, but no one had done it before in a way that was as good or better than a previous bar or cookie or some of the other products that we're working on currently. And so like trying to shift the food industry to say like, hey, people want this, we need to make this. And there's a lot of people who did it in a lazy way who are trying to capitalize on the keto trend and just make something that you know looks on a supplement or nutrition facts panel like it fits the macros of a ketogenic diet. But then when you try them and they say they're keto, spikes your blood sugar, takes you out of ketosis. So, I mean, this is where like, we want to, we want to solve the problem for people making ketosis easier. Like to do that would be really unauthentic. I wanted products that I could use. And so having an actual quality bar and a standard is like, it's just extremely rare in this industry. And so many people are in it for profit and for just trying to make a quick buck, unfortunately, I'm sure you know. And I mean, this is the reason why we're not in Whole Foods right now is that it's really expensive to make a really high quality bar and people are used to paying certain prices for it. What people don't understand is that you have to pay basically 30 to 50% of your product to the stores to, to have that store carry. So there's a, there's a broker, there's a distributor, there's a retailer, et cetera. Everybody needs their cut. And you, you basically should go into a grocery store and think, okay, this is basically a filter of the food that's in here has to be cheap for the economics to work. It has to be low quality essentially, or like even if you go into like, I mean, this applies to, to vegetables and things like that as well. It's like these have to sort of be mass produced in order to fit the bill of what people are used to paying, which is really unfortunate. Um, I, I don't think that we'll never be in there. Cause I think at scale we've, we've gotten our prices down and we're, we're doing a lot of stuff to work on that, but it's really challenging when like you're doing that, you're also trying to run a business that, you know, we put all the cash back into the business to put up more content, to do education, to serve the community. And it's, it's tough to run a business and give all your money away to people who are not really providing any value. Yeah, for sure. And you know what I love about the bars? Not only do they taste great, but I also don't get digestive issues. I have a history, past history of irritable bowel issues. And so uh, there are certain fibers that my body just, prebiotics that my body just does not tolerate well. And on top of that, I like the fact that you guys actually tested it with the continuous blood glucose monitor. Most people don't really realize how important that is. Because again, it's not really about macros. Um, there are certain things that are listed as fibers that don't impact your blood sugar. And there are other things that are listed as fibers that will spike your blood sugar. And you were actually testing through all of that. Mm -hmm. And I were able to design these so that way they didn't spike your blood sugar. Now, you also made the Perfect Keto cookie. And uh, you know, I know we're both huge fans of, of real food, but every now and then, having a nice little treat. And, uh, you know, in American society, we absolutely love cookies. And so you guys did the same thing with the continuous blood glucose for that. So, so let's talk about that. Yeah. I mean, cookies are another thing where, again, if, if we didn't launch them, people are still going to eat them. And yeah. there's, yeah. you look at how many people took up baking when they were in quarantine over the last however many months, like people are going to eat these things no matter what. And like, of course I want to be pushing people towards eating all real foods. But again, like we have a culture that people are used to eating stuff they want it. 
And again, I didn't think that there was a good option. So everything else that was out there before we did ours was, you know, to have something bake in for it to lift up and be and perform like an actual cookie, you need to typically use a bunch of sugar alcohols, um, which is usually irritates people's guts, like you were saying before with the, with yeah. the bars. And so it's either you have a real cookie that has a bunch of refined sugar, wheat, and like really crazy processed weird stuff in most of the grocery store items, or you go to like a low carb cookie and it's so packed with sugar alcohols that you get this cooling effect in your mouth, doesn't taste like a cookie, but then you also get gut issues on the, on the back end of it. So our sort of path was how do we make something that fits this need of people wanting sort of a sweet treat or some sort of uh, dessert where it tastes as good as a regular cookie and isn't sort of like this health food. When people see like, oh, there's like health food, it's like what my grandma who has diabetes should eat. They, they never make that switch to trying to eat, trying the healthier product. So, so like I think of it sort of like as Elon Musk thinks of electric car, not just like, okay, if we want people to switch to electric cars, we can't just make an electric car. We need to make the best car ever. And that's how we sort of think about our product development as well. Is like if we don't make the best product, it doesn't matter if it's healthy enough, people aren't, aren't going to choose it. And so we sort of like think about that, like how do we want it to taste? How do we want it to, you know, how do we want the mouthfeel to be? How do we want it to look when we after it's done? And of course, like how do we have it sort of be contained within the parameter of real food, not spiking your blood sugar and keeping you in ketosis? And all of those things are really, really hard to combine and optimize for. Yeah. Like I think that we could, you could do the low, the low blood sugar thing and not use real food ingredients just fine. And then you do like the real ingredients and have it spike your blood sugar just fine. So like combining those things and having both of those standards makes it really, really challenging. But you know, we're, we're pretty stubborn and have high standards. So it took us, again, it was like over a year and a half of, of R&D. But yeah, I think that, I, obviously I'm biased, but I think that the best sort of like keto dessert or treat out there right now. Yeah, I would agree. They're a great product. And and for those of you guys listening, if you haven't tried them, definitely do. Uh, we'll have a link in the show notes and a discount coupon you can check out as well. Um, let's talk about your favorite foods. So let's, you know, a day in the life, um, let's say like your top five favorite foods. If you could only live on five foods, what would it be? Oh, man. Be very meat centric. Uh, for sure. Like a, either like a beef rib or a ribeye, like a fatty cut of red meat, or um, anything elk. I'm a huge elk fan. I'm going on my first elk hunt this fall, so I'm excited about that. Um, I just, I'm not, I'm not picky. Like, I think mussels or oysters, like, like especially fresh, would be high up there. Um, avocados are always nice. And if I had to pick a fifth, Maybe just to balance it out. So I have three animal products, two animal products and um, avocado. I'd have to do like a super simple, like 100% dark chocolate. There you go. Just to have all the bases covered. There you go. Sounds good. How about a day in the life? I know you're obviously a busy entrepreneur. Um, you're not married, are you? Engaged. So Engaged. Soon. Congratulations. Yep. Me, but we had some yep. issues with logistics this year. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. So you had to postpone? Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're trying to figure out what, what's going to work, but no issue. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk about a day in life. Well, what, what does it look like? What time are you waking up? What's your morning routine? And uh, take us through a day. Yeah, I wake up probably 6, 6.30. Uh, Pushables is my morning routine. 
which would be meditation and uh, journaling. And I think that those two things, you know, especially if I can get a journaling in at the end of the night and sort of like a reflection time, sort of book on the day is really, really effective just to sort of like have a foundation to the day. I think that with everything in life, like I said before, like there's so many things going on that's easy to get distracted. You know, have that grounding moment where you decide what you want to get done that day or you reflect on the day and say, okay, did I get done what I wanted to do? Like, did I live my life how I wanted to be? Like, did I spend time with family or friends if that's what you're into or whatever? Like having some intention allows you to sort of step out of this crazy rapids of life that we have. Like the, the current of life is so intense that if you don't do some of these things, like I have so many peers and people that I know, people I've seen like after three, six, 12 months look back and I have no idea what they're doing with their life or what just happened because they're not having these sort of short check-in time. So like that's, those two things are really, really critical for me. Um, but I've been trying to, after those times, just work like since quarantine came also like just work way less. I've been, like I said before, I get sort of been at this pace since high school of just working way too much, way too much. And while I couldn't trade everything that I've gotten done or like sort of like all the skills that I've developed and where I'm at in life. Like I do, I think regret not spending more time with people and sort of like just as I'm getting older, like relationships matter way more. It's just like when the world seems like it's falling apart, I think you just reflect a little bit more on what actually matters. And if everything fell apart and we all had to move out to the woods, it's like society is unraveling. Like I think a good day would look like waking up, having food, having a good meal, spending time with people you, you were around and like enjoying being outside. And so these are sort of things like, why don't you just have that all the time now? And so in the morning, trying to get, get up for a walk and be outside with my fiance or with friends like in a, in a morning walk, usually I would just go straight into work mode and go intense. But now I've sort of shifted that and making sure that like, again, sort of like bookends of the day in between work or, or like sandwiching work is spending time with people, ideally outside. Um, and in Austin right now, that looks like melting slowly <laughs> into a big puddle. It's the middle um, of the summer at the time we're doing this interview. So yeah, it's hot. And, in Georgia, it is too. It's super humid out here. Yeah. And so that is something that's new for me. So like, again, I'm always trying to like reevaluate what my day looks like, but spending time with people and then tackling uncomfortable work stuff first. Like I sort of like think about Deep Work by Cal Newport is a big book that's influenced me around just blocking out time when I work first thing in the day instead of answering emails and getting to all the busy work that is an infinite amount in everybody's day, like blocking off one to three, four hours maybe and doing things that are the most uncomfortable and hardest for me. Um, and then getting into all the catch up stuff, um, trying to squeeze a work in before one o'clock usually. Cause again, heat here is so brutal. Uh, but yeah, pretty, pretty basic for me. Nothing too crazy. No, it's good stuff. You're, you're really working on balancing your life, which is so important. And uh, I do the same. I spend a lot of time with my, my wife and my kids. And, uh, you know, it's so rewarding. So what are, what are you most excited about? You've obviously built several different companies now. Perfect Keto is doing, doing great. What are you excited about? What are you working on right now that you think is really innovative? Because you have a real innovative mind. So I'm, I'm really interested in that. Yeah. So I'm sort of like, I like to follow my curiosities and really go deep. And I think that for me, for a while, it was sports injuries, maximizing athletics, then it was functional medicine stuff, then it was, you know, building an online business and all this stuff that comes with it, keto, et cetera. And now I'm sort of shifting far more into, again, like how do we create a real food system where 
regenerative agriculture in a way of farming that actually is mm. beneficial for people, but also the planet. Like, how do we shift this to be more of a normal thing? Um, so I have a lot of stuff that I'm thinking about and working on here, sort of under wraps right now, but you'll be the first to know yeah. um, when stuff comes out. But yeah, I mean, working on basically trying to make buying real food easy and affordable for people. Uh, so that way it's sort of like this whole spectrum is covered. Like again, I said, like I, I want to create bridges for people to get from eating a standard American diet to eating local seasonal real foods. And I think there's a lot of things people can do sort of in the middle. I think there's a huge part on the right side of that bridge of getting people from eating like healthy packaged food like we're making now. Like there's still a huge gap of people going from that step to eating actual real food that they can like know their farmers and their farmers are doing a good job and all this stuff. So there's a lot on that end that I'm exploring now that is really fascinating to me that I can't stop researching. Yeah. Well, I look forward to having you back on down the road when, uh, when you get a little further along with that. Regenerative agriculture is a phenomenal topic, and uh, there's a lot we can do with that. And so I'm glad that, uh, that you're passionate about that because you clearly have, and I want to acknowledge the fact that you have such an innovative mind, uh, great work ethic, and you get stuff done. Clearly, in the last eight years since you got out of school, you've done quite a bit and uh, you've really helped benefit so many people when it comes to their health and uh, just um, really have helped, have helped shift this, uh, this natural health industry. So appreciate all the great work that you're doing and thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thanks man. Appreciate it. Absolutely. And for those of you guys that are out there, remember you're more valuable than you think you are. So start taking action on what you learned today. And I guarantee it's going to start improving your life and your health. Be blessed, everybody. We'll see you on a future podcast. Well, that's all for this show. And I want to thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on or you want to dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.